That's the view from the skies as three vintage airplanes flew over Victoria Square, uh, Victory Square this morning. Thousands joining the rest of Canada and the world in paying tribute to the lives lost during world wars and those still serving today. Good evening. Thank you very much for joining us on this Remembrance Day. Emotional and very moving scenes right across Canada and the world today as people came together for a special Remembrance Day marking 100 years to the end of the First World War. We start tonight with coverage from Victory Square in Vancouver with our Tanya Beja. Victory Square, a solemn commemoration as hundreds gathered to honour Canadian veterans and their service. It means a lot to me because I know many persons sacrificed their life for us to enjoy the freedoms that we now have. As I see the vets, the, the last of the vets, I, I always cry, you know, and I'm, I'm so happy to see so many young people here. People like Marcus McNeely, whose grandfather fought in the Second World War in Korea. Um, he loved, he would put his outfit on in October. He would make sure everything was ready to go, prim and proper. He'd be shining his shoes for days to make sure they were ready to go for this day. This, this is the day he waited for every single year. This Remembrance Day marks 100 years since the end of the First World War. Among the ceremony guests, two centenarians, including Margaret MacDonald. It's really an honour. It's, it's amazing. Who would have thought when she went... Uh, when she entered at 26 that she'd be here for this. McDonald says she hasn't given up hope for an end to all wars. You know, what good comes out of that? Killing people, people losing their loved ones. It's a grief Diane Street knows too well. The Silver Cross mother laying a wreath in honour of her son, Private Terry Street, who was killed in Afghanistan in 2008 when his vehicle struck an improvised explosive device. It's a little bit of a sad moment, obviously, because you remember everybody that's gone through this. It's been quite an ordeal for many people, not only the people who didn't survive, but people, the poor soldiers who came back without limbs, suffering from PTSD. A decade after her son's death, Street says she's holding on to one wish. Peace on earth, that's what I want. Peace on earth for everybody. Tanya Beja, Global News. At the legislature in Victoria, veterans were honoured as they marched to the service at the Cenotaph. Finance Minister Carol James, Education Minister Rob Fleming and Mayor Lisa Helps were among those who later laid wreaths. Younger people also coming out today to pay their respects at this service. My husband spent 28 years in the military. He just got out. We come here every year. Yeah, every yeah. year. You always and go our... get breakfast and then come down here. Yeah. To what? Tradition or is it something else? Our, well, to honour our dad serving in the military. And, and also have... our great-grandfather who mm-hmm. fought in World War II and we come here for him. Thousands gathered in Ottawa for the National Remembrance Day ceremony. Defence Minister Harjit Sajjan 
And Sophie Trudeau laid a wreath at the National War Memorial on behalf of the Prime Minister. This year's National Silver Cross mother is Anita Senarini of Winnipeg. Her son Thomas Welsh took his own life in 2004, three months after returning from a mission in Afghanistan. He was the first Canadian soldier to die by suicide after serving in that country. She has fought for years to have her son's death recognised as being caused by military service. He deserved it. He deserved to be recognized by our country. For the courage, the loyalty, the dedication that he not only carried out in Afghanistan, but the courage to fight Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is in France. He was joining dozens of leaders from around the world to mark the centenary of Armistice Day. And in front of the US and Russian presidents, uh, France's Emmanuel Macron took the opportunity to warn about the dangers of nationalism. Global's Abigail Beeman reports from Paris. Moving music and words. Today has been perfectly wonderful. We got news of the armistice. Letters from the front a century ago, read by students today. In the parade were hundreds of thousands of soldiers from the U.S., England, Canada. While most leaders arrived together in a show of unity, Putin and Trump joined later, separately. The focus of the Paris ceremony, a speech by French President Emmanuel Macron, with a strong political undertone. Et de trébuchons, dernier mort pour la France dix minutes avant l'armistice. Macron's 20-minute speech slammed nationalism, calling it the opposite of patriotism. Some surprise then that Trump, nationalism's champion, applauded when Macron was done. Vive la France. There have always been tensions between those who would speak truth to power and those who like having their power. At the inaugural Paris Peace Forum, our Prime Minister spoke out against nationalism too. When people feel their institutions can't protect them, they look for easy answers in populism, in nationalism, in closing borders, in shutting down trade. A message that may be aimed south of the border, although Canadian officials say Trudeau and Trump had a good discussion at last night's leaders' dinner. Trump took off before the peace forum, but Putin was there. He had a short and friendly chat with Trudeau, even a thumbs up. The Prime Minister's office says Trudeau acknowledged the Russian people's extraordinary sacrifices during both world wars, and Trudeau told Putin it's important to have Russia in the room to talk about peace. The Prime Minister ended his day with the man who made the inaugural peace forum a reality, French President Emmanuel Macron. Abigail Beeman, Global News, Paris. And uh, we will have more on other Remembrance Day ceremonies coming up a bit later on, as well as the challenges facing local legions today. In other news tonight, parishioners of a Polish parish in East Vancouver made a shocking discovery while attending Sunday services this morning. They found disturbing graffiti had been spray-painted on a building on the church's property. Kristen Robinson reports. Members of East Vancouver's St. Casimir's Polish Parish trying to understand what greets them on Independence Day. 
Where and when is Nazi in Poland? Could you tell me? It's a hatred. It's a hatred. It's a pure hatred against Polish people. Antifa, short for anti-fascist, and the German words for Nazis out, scrawled in graffiti on the church's school building, which houses a daycare and Polish-language children's Saturday school. We are not fascists. We are not, we are not, we are Polish people. They fight with the fascists. You know, and that's the problem. It's a huge disappointment because of the, our uh, 100th anniversary of uh, independence. So we are very, very shocked. In Warsaw Sunday, some 200,000 people marked a century since Poland's rebirth as an independent state at the end of the First World War with a march. Among the crowd, nationalists and far-right groups like the National Radical Camp, its symbol also marked on the daycare. It's extremely upsetting because it's such a lie. Anna says she lost her family during the war and it's the Nazi tag that upsets her the most. 70,000 of Polish people who died in Auschwitz and now we are called Nazis? Polish parishioners left staring in disbelief when they should be celebrating 100 years of freedom. Kristen Robinson, Global News. A Vancouver Island First Nation is appealing for help to identify the vandals who desecrated their cemetery. The Qualicum First Nation graveyard was vandalized with racist graffiti. This is sometime after Halloween. Along with racial slurs spray painted on a gravestone, the suspects also removed a brass faceplate belonging to the only person buried at that individual gravesite. The cemetery sits off a main road and is only accessible by a trail. Vandals also also broke a concrete bench and ripped out the sprinkler system. The gravestone has since been cleaned up after an outpouring of support from the community. There are growing calls for a director with Autism BC to step down after a report that Laurie Guerra, along with another newly elected Surrey City councillor, both secretly attended an anti-SOGI meeting. Grace Key has the details. What were you going for? Inclusion is something the Russell family takes a strong stand on, especially after 13-year-old Daniel was diagnosed with autism. So they were surprised to hear reports that the director of Autism BC, newly elected Surrey City Councillor Lori Guerra, spoke at a post-election party with anti-SOGI groups. My heart hurt because I felt the organization that represents uh, kids on the spectrum uh, all of a sudden had a representative who spoke of hatred and it felt like a betrayal. Also at the event was another newly elected Surrey City Councillor Stephen Pettigrew. But it's Guerra's position with Autism BC that has started a change.org petition calling for her resignation from the nonprofit group. The councillor has responded on her Facebook page posting, after only three days in office, I finally get what the term fake news means. The president of Autism BC also released a statement writing that the views and opinions made by directors and staff do not necessarily reflect the views of Autism BC, and that the organization does not have a role in advocacy at a political level of any kind. Inclusion of LGBTQ community is not um, political. This is, once again, a human rights issue, and so that's what we're fighting for. Hey, hey! Soji Ed is here to say! Soji stands for Sexual Orientation and Gender Identity, designed to reduce discrimination. It connects educators with resources, and it's been a controversial topic, with some saying it goes against their family values. 
If you ask Daniel, he says Guerra's stand on Soji just doesn't make sense. To stand for one group but discriminate against the other group and not be willing to include them is just ironic. In fact, it's nothing short of preposterous, actually. It started off with his sleep patterns. Guerra has a son living with autism. The counselor declined a request for an interview, saying she was, quote, busy doing the work the residents elected me to do. Grace Key, Global News. Now, as we first told you last night, BC's police watchdog is investigating a fatal shooting on Vancouver Island. This happened yesterday at the Cedar Creek Mobile Home Park near Mill Bay. Shawnigan Lake RCMP were at the trailer park to make an arrest in an assault investigation. When officers entered the suspect's home, the man allegedly advanced on them with a knife. A taser was used without success. Shots were then fired by police and the man succumbed to his injuries in hospital. No one else was hurt. The province's independent investigations office is now on scene and is asking for witnesses to come forward. No, I'm still in shock. I can't believe that my neighbour across from me was shot and killed in this incident. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. That was pretty scary. It doesn't happen every day, right? So yeah. I'm just glad nobody else got hurt. And that's, that's a sad thing, yeah. A house party in White Rock this weekend ended with a teenager being shot. Officers were called to a home in the 15500 block of Columbia Avenue. This is just after midnight when multiple gunshots rang out. An 18-year-old man with a gunshot wound was found a short distance away near Pacific and Dolphin. He is expected to recover from his injuries. Police dogs helped to catch three suspects who were seen running from the scene. A vehicle was also seized. Police do believe that this was a target attack. The house had a number of uh, um, partiers reveling uh, at this address that we came to, so we had to deal with all of that, and then uh, we started dealing with the, uh, the victim, and then of course the, um, the individuals that were ultimately arrested. So there was a lot going on in the beginning, and um, now we're just kind of working through who these people are, how they're known to each other, uh, etc. Surrey firefighters had to battle a two-alarm fire this afternoon. It was a 1,000-square-foot addition to an abandoned house on the corner of 160th Street and 103rd Avenue that caught fire just before 2 o'clock this afternoon. Fire crews managed to quickly knock this down before the flames spread. No one was hurt. No word yet on what sparked the blaze. It is being treated as suspicious because the house was vacant. It appears BC's Prince of Potts is trying to get arrested in Quebec. Mark Emery set up shop outside a cannabis store in St. Catherine, a suburb of Montreal, at around noon today. Now, he's been selling T-shirts, stickers and other products promoting pot there. It is, of course, illegal to sell anything that promotes the use of cannabis in Quebec. But Emery says he wants to get charged, so he gets his day in court. I have hired lawyers and we believe that this law is unconstitutional and would not survive the scrutiny of a judge and so I need to get into court with a charge in order to strike it down. Emery says the current laws in the province are equal to censorship. Police cars were driving by. Emery hasn't been arrested, at least not yet.
He's with the scenes today in Cloverdale's Veterans Square. It's packed with hundreds of veterans and people coming together to honour those who lost their lives while serving in war and peacekeeping missions. Britain's royal family attended a service in London tonight to mark the 100th anniversary of the end of the First World War. The Queen was joined at the solemn service by Princes Charles, William and Harry. They watched as wreaths were laid on the grave of the unknown warrior inside Westminster Abbey. The service was also attended by the German president who laid a wreath at London's war memorial in a symbolic act of reconciliation. And in Belgium, a celebration honouring Canadian heroes. Montreal's Black Watch Regiment, past and present members, recreating today an iconic moment in Canadian military history. 100 years ago, our troops marched into that city, pushing out what remained of the German occupiers. Four lives were lost taking that city. We move on to the latest from California now. And days after fire erupted there, more than a dozen bodies have been found in cars and houses in Northern California. People who were unable to escape in time. In total, the three California wildfires have now killed 25 people, but another 100 are still missing. Close to 78,000 hectares have been burned so far. Two reports with the latest for you tonight. Tonight at the front line of California's most destructive wildfire, an aggressive response. With improved conditions, more than 4,000 firefighters are putting everything into battling the catastrophic campfire. Paradise is in ruins. Scores are missing, whole neighborhoods burned to the ground. Was a beautiful place. Jim Clarkson, a cancer survivor, has lived here for 30 years. Wow. We were with him when he discovered his home gone. You could see over here what it was like. It was gorgeous. Yes, start over, you know. Yeah, that's the tough part about living in paradise is you know, and there's fires that come through. Nearby at a community meeting, family members made desperate pleas for missing loved ones, some finding relief. I was hoping maybe she was here. Barbara Allen, I know a lot of people in Paradise know her. She worked at the Paradise um, the community center, but if anybody's seen her, flyers are all over the place. Where? Tonight, some crews are sweeping through residential streets, clearing piles of debris, while others scour ruins for people that may have died. DJ Longbreak came from Oregon to rescue animals. This is complete devastation. And I've seen a lot of things that I wish I didn't have to see. The grueling recovery is starting, a sign of hope for a community that may be devastated. Paradise will be a beautiful town again. But will never be lost. Steve Patterson, NBC News, Paradise, California. Park in Bell Canyon, California. Tonight, Santa Ana winds back with a vengeance, giving the Woolsey fire more strength, spreading flames across Southern California. How crazy is that? Louise Coran and Kirk Felgenhauer astonished by how fast it's happening. A whole area would be on fire, like in minutes. From the ocean to the valley, the fire continues its path of destruction. It was a wall of flames that came through. I just ran in the house and watched from the windows. Firefighters putting their own lives on the line, racing through the firestorm to protect homes. Attacks from the air and on the ground. 
Fatigued firefighters are working around the clock. How are you doing? Yeah, we're tired, but this is what we do. Engine 66 in Los Angeles mobilizing in minutes to knock down flare-ups before moving out. We're trying to get control of them so they don't throw any embers and the fire spreads. These spot fires are popping up all over, but it doesn't take long for these firefighters to arrive on the scene. The dynamic and dangerous situation changing lives overnight. Shane Clark lost his Bell Canyon home while hosing down his dad's place. He saved my house. But the family is alive. It's a boy. My and Shane managed to keep the one thing that's giving them all hope ultrasound pictures of his unborn son. She's five months pregnant, and, um, and it's, it's very nice to, to be able to still have. Proof of life and hope during a very dark time. In Seattle last night, firefighters had to battle a massive four-alarm fire that destroyed a lumber warehouse. This is a video released by the Seattle Fire Department. It shows the flames shooting at least 15 meters into the air. Five buildings were heavily damaged by this inferno. One of them burned down to the ground. No one was hurt. The cause of this fire isn't yet known. All right. Uh, let's catch up with sport now uh, before we get to you, Barry. Mm -hmm. uh, quick check on the weather. It was a beautiful day if you went out for Remembrance Day ceremonies across the province. And do you know that it's going to continue? <laughs> yeah. Yes, many are asking how long it's going to last, but it was perfect for today. Uh, temperatures have remained on the cool side. We'll see that once again, especially for the overnight. And a few spots maybe looking at some patchy fog for the morning hours. But a very similar weather picture will be for tomorrow. And I'll have the timing of almost seeing the return for some wet weather and how much we can expect coming up shortly yeah we're waiting for the rain now right it's gonna happen and was it raining at the lions game oh, oh. that would it, it was uh, like a downpour a thunderstorm <laughs> it was uh maybe one of the more depressing displays ever by the lions in their playoff oh, no. history and considering it was wally buono's last game as a head coach it's just really unfortunate the lions were never in it they lost 48 to 8 not their biggest playoff loss. The one to Montreal a few years ago was a little bigger. But uh, just in the circumstance, I said yesterday, I wasn't quite sure what we'd get out of the Lions. Well, we got nothing out of them. It was just everything that could go wrong did. Oh. And uh, so, anyway, we'll show you what happened. It was um, if you maybe if you have small children, turn away. It's turn not, away. Not, not pretty to watch. <laughs> is Wally okay? That's the uh, well, question. I think he is. I think okay. he had such a long time to kind of digest that. Oh, this is the way I'm going to go out, huh? Oh. Uh, it's just too bad because okay. obviously he's had this legendary career, and uh, yeah, it was just a flop. So. Scenes in West Kelowna, just as the sun started to set uh, this evening, the bells at Mission Hill Winery ringing a hundred times to mark each year that has passed since the end of the First World War. This event, part of a cross-country initiative by the Royal Canadian Legion called Bells of Peace. Now, it's been a long time Remembrance Day tradition in Vancouver, going to the Billy Bishop Legion for a pint after attending services. But the Legion today says it's facing new challenges to keep going. One of them is attracting a younger generation. Here's Paul Johnson. It's, uh, it's a place to be, and it's, uh, it's a place where you can share memories of the past. And the past isn't so long ago at the Billy Bishop Legion on Remembrance Day. If you take a minute, these soldiers will tell you the story of every medal on their chests. 
First one is in Cyprus, the United Nations. Second is Iraq. For one day a year, Kitsilano's Billy Bishop is the place to be as people drift in from the official ceremonies for music, cheer, and old stories. Look at all the pictures around on the wall. Fantastic. But like legions across Canada, changing times haven't favored the memory keepers who keep these places alive. Most of the World War II vets have passed on, and in B.C., fewer young people than ever have served in the military. What's really hurt us, our membership has dropped from six, seven hundred down to three hundred odd. Former Billy Bishop President Derek Allen says as their numbers have dropped, the property taxes have spiked. And he wants to remind people, you don't have to be a veteran. Anyone can join the Legion. We really want people to carry on the tradition of uh, respect for people who served in the forces. And that's where places like the Billy Bishop may find their future, among people from all countries and backgrounds who've either served or are interested in those who have. Nathan Carter was an engineer in the British Army. And I think we need that injection of uh, young blood and enthusiasm into places like this to keep, keep that memory alive and, uh, and just realize why we did what we did. One hope has been that in recognition of the heritage value here, the city could give them a break on the property taxes. Though they've been turned down in the past, they're still optimistic. This Remembrance Day, the music plays on at the Billy Bishop. Paul Johnson, Global News. Now, a small group from Vancouver Island is honouring Canadian volunteers who fought fascism before the Second World War. White roses are being laid this weekend at the gravestones on the lower mainland of more than 20 volunteers with the International Brigades who went to Spain to fight in the Spanish Civil War from 1936 to 1939. There are 226 known graves across the country. They say it's their chance to pay tribute to a group not being officially recognised at Remembrance. Day ceremonies or by Veterans Affairs Canada. Many of these fellows, uh, well, they were they were fighting fascism before World War II, and they're not recognized. So what we're doing here is we're tr we're finding graves through the Lower Mainland. We've got people in about uh, ten graveyards in the Lower Mainland, and we're putting down a white rose and a an international brigade flag, which will be the recognition that they participated in that war. And with that ringing of the bell, Canadians and Americans on both sides of the border at the Peace Arch border crossing, marking the 100th anniversary of the armistice that ended the First World War. So a lot of people coming out today for ceremonies right across the province and the sun was shining. The weather definitely played its part today, everyone. Yes, it was great timing. We saw a bit of fog or cloud cover for the morning hours. It really did clear out. We'll start off with a photo that was sent in from Michelle McHugh from Prince George uh, of the remembrance ceremony that took place there. So thank you so much for sending in that photo. 
Temperatures today are still on the cool side. We started off at 1 and we'll be hovering the freezing mark once again across Metro Vancouver. Highs today up to 8 degrees, but we're still close to the average for this time of the year that sits at 9 and an early sunset at 437. At the freezing mark right now for areas near Whistler, Hope at 5 degrees, Victoria sitting at 3, Good Evening in Tacomox at 5 and for Port Hardy at 6. Interior sections just dropping below the freezing mark for Kelowna at minus 1. Areas near the Peace currently sitting at minus 7. We do have another dry day across the province for tomorrow, so a nice clearing will be on the way. We do still have cloud cover for interior sections overnight and for the early morning hours, but it'll break late in the day. And then the next round of moisture is going to start to push in. But first off, we have had a ridge of high pressure. That's been the dominant feature that's been giving us the sunshine. It'll still remain strong tomorrow, and then it starts to weaken with the systems pushing in late Tuesday, Wednesday. And for interior sections, it'll be by Thursday and leading into Friday. A look at the future cast and when we're seeing that moisture, so a dry one for our Monday, and then it's on our Tuesday as early as the morning hours. We'll see it along coastal sections and heavy at times throughout the day, so unsettled for Tuesday, Wednesday onwards. The piece tomorrow, the wind chill feeling closer to minus 13, bumping up to four is the high with the southwesterly wind up to 30 kilometers per hour. Showers developing on your Tuesday evening. White horse cloud cover tomorrow. The wind's ramping up southeasterly with gusts of up to 50 kilometers per hour for the early morning hour on Tuesday. A chance for flurries changing over to showers and light flurries on Wednesday, but not much in terms of accumulation. Coastal sections will see the winds tomorrow southeasterly up to 60 kilometers per hour Tuesday, Wednesday. Wet weather making a return. Caribou in central interior, early morning hours, the wind chill at minus 7. Tuesday with an increase in cloud cover and wet weather on Wednesday. Columbia and Kootenai region seeing some fall overnight and for the morning hours it dissipates for your noon hour and then Tuesday, Wednesday back into some sunshine to dry for the next three days. The tops in Okanagan will see a very similar weather picture, a nice clearing on the way. Late day Wednesday, Thursday though, some moisture does start to move into interior sections. Whistler fantastic, six is the high tomorrow underneath that sunshine Tuesday evening seeing that rain and across the island we are going to see one more dry day for the south coast. We will see the moisture pushing in on Tuesday. It'll be in the form of rain. Temperatures, however, Wednesday, Thursday, still into the double digits, but get out and enjoy tomorrow. Tuesday onwards, it'll be on and off rainfall and a touch cooler, especially for the early morning hours. Sonia? All right. Thank you very much for that, Yvonne. Some good news about giant panda populations. The global population of giant pandas in captivity has now reached a record high. Stats released by China this week say there are now 548 of the bears alive and well in zoos and research centres around the world, including the two in Calgary. Chinese officials say progress in genetics research has played a huge part in the rise of this panda survival rate. All right, let's catch up with all your sport now uh, with Barry. If you're a BC Lions fan, do we say look away just a well, little bit? Well, sometimes you, you just want to, it, it's so so awful, you have to look just to see what it was. The car but, crash. Uh, yeah, I'm sure a lot of people after uh, the first half just yeah. left the TV set because it was uh, really? kind of hard to believe it was going on. It was just an absolute no-show, which okay. is sad. All right, thanks so much, Sonia. I gather this was not the way Wally Buono wanted his legendary CFL career to end, to be on the wrong end of a playoff blowout, but the Lions were never in this one as the Ticats mauled them 48-8 to 
throttling BC for a second straight time. In their last two meetings, Hamilton has outscored the Lions 88-18. to Just a few weeks ago, hopes were so high for this Lions team after they soundly beat Edmonton to clinch a playoff spot. But in the three games since, they never came close to that level. Lions were hoping with Wally and Solly, they would have plenty of emotional lift, but they were flatter than flat. Opening drive, Hamilton took it downfield, and they got a break here. Quarterback Dane Evans on third and goal. Fumbles into the end zone. The Ticats recovered. They called it a touchdown. In the replay, it looked like his elbow was down. But after review, they said no, it was a good touchdown. It could have went either way. And had the Lions got away with holding Hamilton to no points there and got a turnover, it could have been a different game. BC's first drive lasted one play. Travis Lule fumbles. Ticats recover. And they cash it into instant points. Jeremiah Masoli to a wide-open Luke Tasker. 14-0 Ticats, and the route was on. Ticats stretched the field all day. The Lions did not. Their uh, vaunted defense just had no answers for Mazzoli, who is the Eastern nominee for most outstanding player. Rookie Braylon Addison, five catches for 124 yards. That great grab led to another Ticat touchdown. Mazzoli to Sean Erlington Thomas. The Ticats just did as they pleased. They led 21-0, and they weren't done yet. Lions... Third and inches, big Cody Fajardo in for the QB sneak. Should be automatic, but he gets stuffed. BC turns it over. It was just one mistake after another for the Lions, and the Ticats punish them every time. And right on cue, Mazzoli rolls out. We'll find Luke Tasker again, almost intercepted, but everything went the Ticats way as Tasker spins his way into the end zone for the touchdown. 28-0 Hamilton at the half. Third quarter, another self-inflicted wound. Travis Lule floats one to the far side, picked off by Frankie Williams, who has a clear path to the end zone. 37-yard pick six, 37-0 Ticats, and it's officially downright embarrassing. The Lions at least broke the shutout. John Jennings in at QB to Shaq Johnson, who backs his way in over the cone for the touchdown. But the Lions get thumped 48-8 as their season comes to a very sudden and painful end. Wally Buono's final game. Unfortunate his players couldn't show up for him. We know there will be many changes next year. Travis Lule may be done after that performance. That will all shake down in the days to come, but the Ticats are moving on to play Ottawa in the Eastern Final. West semifinal, Rough Riders and Blue Bombers. No Zach Kalaros at quarterback for Saskatchewan out with a concussion. Suffered against the Lions two weeks ago, so Canadian Brandon Bridge gets the start. And the Riders did struggle putting points on the board. Winnipeg got as much as they needed here. Matt Nichols, pump fake, finds Drew Wolitarski for the touchdown. Only major of the first half. It was 13-9 at the break. And then Andrew Harris, who led the league in rushing again, goes over 150 yards today. A hard run in the snowflakes here led to a short touchdown run. And the Bombers are moving on to the West Final against Calgary. 23-18 the final over the Riders. And we've got rugby, Canada and Kenya, the 2019 Last Chance World Cup qualifier, first of three matches in the next three weeks for Canada. Hong Kong and Germany also vying for that last spot at the World Cup. Canada getting a try here from DTH Vandemerva. They led 10-0 and then they continue to just overpower the Kenyans. Canada favored to win this game, and they did just that. Phil Mack will toss it out to Vandermerva for his second of the uh, game, and then Vandermerva with his third of the day as Canada crushes Kenya 65-19. Next up, Germany next weekend. The winner of the four-team tournament gets the last spot at the World Cup next year in Japan. 
Welcome back. The Seahawks had a tall order today. Try to beat the high-flying Rams in L.A. Los Angeles leads the NFL, scoring over 33 points per game. But the Seahawks came out swinging. They went toe-to-toe with the Rams, giving the NFC leaders all they could handle. Russell Wilson has, uh, had pretty good success against the Rams down in L.A. The games tend to be low-scoring. This one was not. Opening drive, Wilson with a bullet pass to Nick Vanette. Second straight week that Vanette has a touchdown. 7-0 Seattle. The Rams, though, tied it with their first drive, but the Seahawks came right back downfield, and they've been waiting for this to happen. Rookie Rashad Penny busting out today, went over 100 yards. 18-yard TD run there, the first of his NFL career, 14-7 Seattle. But the Rams pretty much did what they wanted offensively in the first half, at least. Todd Gurley, another huge day, over 100 yards, and this touchdown romp, 17-14 Rams at the half. Third quarter, though, thanks to a personal foul that kept their drive alive. Wilson will hook up with Tyler Lockett for the touchdown. And then Lockett gives the ball to a fan, which uh, isn't an odd thing, but this fan happens to be Floyd Mayweather, the boxing champ. 21-20 Seahawks lead, but the Rams respond like they always seem to do. Jared Goff with the touchdown pass to Tyler Higby. 26-21 L.A. Seahawks ran the ball down the Rams' throats in this one. Russell Wilson Pulling it down here, 22-yard scamper. Seattle rushed for over 270 yards today. Led to a field goal. They still trailed by two. Late in the fourth after a Wilson fumble. Rams will tack on another. Brandon Cooks on the end around here. 36-24 L.A., but Seattle not done yet. They would drive the ball downfield again. This is an exciting game. Back and forth. Wilson, short touchdown pass to Mike Davis. It's 36-31. And like last week, Seahawks got one final possession to win the game in dramatic fashion. But on fourth down, Wilson, not sure if he's going to run or pass, and he floats it too high, and the Seahawks fall just short. 36-31, another valiant effort against the tough Rams. But Seattle drops to 4-5, and five, and the Rams are 9-1. and one. Also today, the Saints and Bengals from Cincinnati. Drew Brees and that Saints offense put up 45 on the Rams last week, and they topped that today. Breeze with the little screen pass gets big results. 28-yard touchdown to Mark Ingram, 14-7 Saints. And then before halftime, Breeze with his third touchdown pass of the game. This one to Michael Thomas as the Saints blow out the Bengals 51-14. New Orleans second in the NFC behind the Rams at 8-1. Patriots and Titans from Nashville, and it was all Tennessee. Marcus Mariota. Outshone Tom Brady by a lot. He will find Corey Davis for the 23-yard touchdown. 14-3 Titans in the first. Patriots could not get anything going. They were really never in it. Titans seal it in the fourth. Derrick Henry takes the direct snap. 10-yard touchdown run as the Patriots fall to 7-3 after a humbling 34-10 loss. Titans in the playoff hunt now at 5-4. Check out some NHL action tonight. Jets and Devils from Winnipeg. Second period, 2-1 Jets. Mark Scheifele from the side of the net beats Corey Schneider. 3-1. And uh, there it is right there. Then on the delayed penalty... Jets firing at will here, and finally it's Nick Ehlers hammering it past uh, Schneider. 5-2, very late in the third for the Jets, and the Canucks, of course, continue their road trip in New York against the Rangers tomorrow. 
Western Hockey League this afternoon. Giants and Cougars from Langley. Giants won 2-1 last night over Prince George. Another tight one today. Cougars open the scoring. Nice passing finished off by Ethan Brown. 1-0 PG. The Giants look to tie it. Bowen Byram with the rush. Thinks he's scored, but uh, you'll see on the overhead, it's off the crossbar. No goal. Cougars, shout out the Giants, 1-0. Isaiah Delora, 30 saves in the Cougars' net. And some EPL action Sunday. The Manchester Derby, first place City hosting United. Man City showed its quality early. Bernardo Silva knocks it back to uh, David Silva, who fires home. One no Man City. Early second half, another pretty one from City. Sergio Aguero working the 1-2 and then blasts it through David De Gea. United got one back from the penalty spot, but uh, Ilke Gundogan seals the uh, deal late. Man City wins it 3-1. They're now 12 points up on United. City with a 10-win, two-draw record through 12 matches. And third place Liverpool taking on Fulham. A bizarre sequence late in the first half. Fulham puts one in. Quickly ruled offside, so no goal. But uh, while they mull that decision, Liverpool quickly moves it to Mo Salah, who's got a clear break. He scores. That was the game winner. Liverpool take it 2-0. They remain second, two points behind Man City. Chelsea drew today, so they are now four back of first. And we'll finish off in sunny Mexico. PGA Tour in Cancun. Matt Kuchar with a four-shot lead when the final round began and when he made this birdie from off the green at 11. It looked like it was clear sailing, but he did make a couple of bogeys to make it interesting. But on 18, Kuchar will knock in the three-footer to get the one-shot victory, his first since 2014 on the PGA Tour. Adam Hadwin of Abbotsford was tied for 10th, six back of the uh, leader, Kuchar. Hadwin, though, won 165000 Not bad money for 10th place. All right, before we go, uh, let's get a quick look at the weather for the next few days. Umbrellas on the ready? Yes, but not for tomorrow. We are actually going to see one more dry day, very similar to what we're seeing today. So fantastic to round off the long weekend for those who have it off. And then it's Tuesday onwards, going to be quite unsettled. That's when you can grab the umbrella once again. All right. Thanks very much for that, everyone. Uh, we'll leave you tonight with more from the Remembrance Day service in Victory Square in Vancouver this morning. Thank you very much for joining us this evening. Have a very good night. Good night. Good night. Good night.